as much as fine dining has become a topic of discussion on this show, um, it's a special a treat for us. There's a lot of restaurants in Chicago that are very good that do not have Top Chef ties, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, this restaurant is called Sepia. Um, it's, a, I believe, a one Michelin star, but maybe two. Ooh. I don't know that one yet. I don't, I don't have that one on my Chicago list yet. So. It's a one star, but it is a, like, you know, tasting menu sort of. Uh, high class, classic yeah. Chicago establishment. I love, like the Michelin star is the like the one thing where it's like you say one star and ordinarily in your head you go, oh, that doesn't sound so great. But like it was, no, it's pretty Michelin exciting. Star, like, one star is amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, per, it's, it's an exciting thing. Two stars is like even for a fancy birthday weekend, probably too expensive yes. <laughs> that, that just, you get to eat here once in your life maybe right exactly exactly um yeah. with a with a hard lean on the maybe at at uh the current prices in my current financial situation <laughs> um you know fair enough yeah look I'll, I'll tell you two things number one it's nice to sell a house in california so we have that going for us on the downside um Kids are expensive, and uh, uh, you know this podcast does not make any money. Yeah, it's it's, it's an on, ongoing proposition too with that expensive, right? Yeah. Just, yep. Just keep needing more money. Yeah, and you know, just when you think like, well, I I won't have to pay for childcare all day or a preschool soon. Um, but you know, then they're going to start joining sports teams and friggin' right. getting bigger, so their clothes cost more, and they're they not eat even more. Even at the age where they're hitting you up for money, right? <laughs> exactly. All that. All that. It's never really going to get cheaper. Um, no. Although I am going to be really glad when they're both in public school. That's going to be a great day in our house. Yeah. Well, uh, how many years do, till that day comes? Um, two and a half. But uh, one is coming in, you know, six months or so. Yeah. All right. I guess uh, nine months. Where should uh, where should we start this week? You want to you want to talk about culture stuff? You want to talk about the challenge? Um, let's let's just kick it off with the challenge because you you were saying you don't think you have a lot to say. Um, I don't. I thought it was a pretty lame episode on the whole. Lame. Um, you know, and and maybe just well, maybe I'm feeling some of the problems of this season. You know, I think you pointed out last week, right? That that Devin's presence on the show really highlighted. Uh, how how weak the ITM game um, has been in this season? Yes, and one oh. of the people we mentioned being of the best, you know, in that category is now gone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's like I almost felt like this week they had to get a phone call in with Kyle just to get a little little charisma into the show, a little bit little of the riz, as the kids say. Uh, into the show. Well, uh, I also think they need to like I don't I I mean it's hard because you don't want the whole show to be about Narice and Olivia and Mariah and like then then Big T and Melissa. Um but also, like, I don't know, get Ed in there. I guess Ed is a little too chill and straightforward to cause enough drama to be a main character. But, like, part of the problem here for me, and I, I think probably in general, even if people are not don't feel as strongly as I do, is, like, Jay feels like the central character and Corey of the season, and they just even if you don't generally dislike them, they're not having like likable seasons at all. It's the, and yeah, Jay, like, I, I, you look, I, I think I definitely like Jay more than you do, um, but he has this tone in his ITMs. No, you know what I mean? Like Jay, what'd you Corey, say? They're not, they're not leading men. You know what I mean? Like, no, you don't hang your franchise on Jay and Corey. <laughs> exactly. They're not leading men, but more to the point, Jay has this like tone in his ITMs. That's just not, it just doesn't seem to be in the spirit of fun. Like he talks it's a little smug. He's like he's definitely like I think feeling like that he's in control of this game right now, which may not be incorrect. But it's sort of I feel like it comes 
comes out in the in the tone in the ITM. That makes yes, sense. and it's unpleasant. It's not a good watch. And and I would add, like, if he is in fact in control of the sloppy ass game that's being played on this season, I, I think maybe that says more about the season than Jay. Like, he's not playing particularly well. The most notable thing he did in this episode was mention the fact that he happened to beat CT in an elimination 17 times. (laughs) Only to... About that. Yeah, only to, at the very end of the show cop to like i sure don't ever want to do it again <laughs> yeah no uh, i will say right it yeah you know, i don't know why i'm defending jay I, I do think that he was a big part of that team's win in the daily challenge you know what i mean like he was you a, really a think the chains made that much of a difference because i didn't I, I do but i but um you know i don't know it seemed to give them an edge it seemed um, like everyone agreed Kylan just did not do a good job, and they also just did not stack the stuff very well at the second barrier. Yeah. You know, they were pretty even at the first barrier. The chains did not seem to slow down the other team that much. I so, know. I don't know. Mariah was talking about Kylan's knot. This was my burn of the week, and said, "I feel like Kylan thinks he tied a good knot, but a Girl Scout could do better than that." And then she gave this gigantic smile at the camera. Yeah, a little insulting to Girl Scouts, who I think are supposed to be good at knots, right? Well, I don't know if there's the Can't same knot that. focus with the Girl Scouts as there is with the Boy Scouts, but yeah, maybe a little insulting, and and even if not, like certainly not a positive statement about Kylan's <laughs> job. So the fact that they beat them by like thirty seconds max when there was, you know, all these chains were supposed to seal the deal. I don't know. I just felt like. And then they were having that huge fight over the chains. It just seemed so ridiculous. Yeah, um, I mean the fight, the fight over the chains. I feel like was definitely a metaphor for this whole episode. Like, right, a right. A senseless battle over nothing. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> So I guess that leads us to, I mean, we should probably talk about uh, Melissa Well, there's a few Raven. things before we go to, like, the big T of it all and, and the deliberation and whatnot. Like, at the very beginning of this episode, first of all, Corey's trying to apologize again? <laughs> like. And, like, insincere apologizing. Right. Like, if you don't really mean it and your whole goal is to show this team that you're out, like, well, I don't understand why you're why you're trying to smooth things over with the people that you're trying to vote out. Right. What are you doing? What are you even doing? And then he has the nerve to in the ITM be like, yeah, now that I'm back in with the team, I'm just trying to keep it under the radar. And it's like, really? Are you? Yeah. Well, now. Now you're going to be under the radar at this point in the game. <laughs> Let me know how it works out for you, my guy. He is going to be thrown overboard at the first opportunity. He is he delusional, man. Take he, it, he would take that very hard. He is delusional. And then, and, and by the way, he took credit for this win too. After the. Like, when the Daily Challenge ended, he was basically like, well, now that I got the team a win, I'm especially ingrained. It's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Who are you, and what do you think you did here? Uh, Also, I believe in that exchange, Melissa called him a very specific word. (laughs) Uh See you next Tuesday was the word I was thinking that they did. Right? Yes, yes. Bad. Melissa dropped a see you next Tuesday, which of course like has a very specific right. meaning in England. Different. That's yeah. not as severe and and like harsh seeming as it is in the states. I prefer the English uh, definition, but we're saving the children's ears right now. Yeah, but that um, was that was my clue because she's like, oh, that's a curse word in America, right? <laughs> I can't say right. that. And I mean, it's still a curse word in. England, but it's like a light, it, it, you know, it's a, it's probably like Damn. an ass or bitch level yeah, yeah. curse word, not, uh, 
<laughs> not a foreboding. Their TV all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh-oh. Uh, so anyway, uh, I thought that was funny and also appropriate because like he really is just, first of all, a chicken with his head cut off in this game, running around willy nilly doing whatever, but also like he's talking recklessly about all these people being fake. Meanwhile, like over committing to these wildly insincere performances on a regular basis. Yeah. I, it feels like he's just hoping for camera time while, while telling tell, tell you he's laying low. You know what I mean? Not yeah. Something that I that I dare say Melissa is also guilty of from time to time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like no wonder they got s- along. I, listen, I, Melissa snapped with the drink. All right. That was very silly. Um also, Berna clearly was not the ringleader. I don't know why she zeroed in on Berna to like pull that performance with. But to me, the the tip off really was that scene with Mariah, where, where she I can't say anything. I love yeah, you guys. and she just kept being like, "Yo, I don't understand. How could this have happened?" And it's like, okay. I understand your predicament, and it sucks. You're going to keep getting voted in as long as you're there. You're all alone. But you should not be shocked. Especially, like At this point, you cannot be shocked that people like Mariah, who is nice about it, and I thought handled the situation expertly, being like, I'm so sorry. I really like you as a person. I'm just not going to sacrifice my game for you in this scenario. In any way. I'm not saying like, anything. Why? Like, her main beef, basically, right, is, like, why not Colleen? Like, that's that's because that's pretty much the only other option, really. Yes, and the answer is very simply, Colleen is going to vote my way if I'm Mariah. And I think Mariah made that clear, but she's not going to go into detail and, like, you know, lay out the whole design for Melissa. She's just trying to keep it cool and keep it nonviolent and say, like, I do sincerely like you as a person, but I'm sorry, I need to play this game in my way. And I think there is no answer that a person like Melissa in that scenario wants to hear that is whatsoever legitimate that is going to help the situation. So I think Mariah played it perfectly, and I thought it was interesting and and also again, like she tried to play it well when Berna did the exact opposite thing, right? Like as soon as uh, Melissa made up the BS about someone told me it was you who wanted to say my name, Berna was like, "No, no, no, wait, hold on, Mariah, come over here." It was totally Jay, and it was other. It was Corey. It was. I swear to God, Mariah, tell her it was not me. And Mariah's like. I'm not saying anything, Berna. <laughs> Berna, I'm not saying. It. Do you understand, Berna? <laughs> and then had a whole conversation with her where she was like, "I am not going to throw other people under the bus. Why are you potentially making an enemy out of Jay or whoever's name you're going to say?" Like, and then she's like, "Well, she said someone told her it was me. I have to prove to her it's not me." And Mariah is like, "She's lying." <laughs> And Berna, poor Berna, looks Mariah dead in the eye and just innocently says, why would she lie? And I was like, oh, no, honey, you're in trouble here. (laughs) Right? Like, that to me was the essence of what Berna has been struggling with all year and probably why, like, she really has some figuring out to do before she can be a significant factor in this game is like, and I don't know if there's just, it's having been on different shows more frequently, if it's not being, uh, you know, a a natural English speaker, a native English speaker rather. Um, But she doesn't get it. She does not. She does not. And there's a... I don't know. There's a little bit of that with Colleen too. I feel like I, I 
Well, I, I think Colleen kind of gets it, but Colleen has chosen an approach of yeah. like, if I just kind of hang back and be the good time girl and the innocent one, I should be okay. Now, next week she seems to be more involved, which bodes poorly for her, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like Melissa, Berna, Colleen, they're all just going to get picked off one by one until it's just American Girls left, right? Like that's what's... What's Certainly happened? seems like that, but you know, with the weird team stuff, you you never quite know who's going to win something. Um, and at some point, that makes things interesting. There, yeah. reminder: there are still six champions, three each, men and women, left yeah. to well, return. We so have a whole other phase of gameplay left too. Well, right, and and we don't know if they're going to still be involved in that phase of gameplay, what that will look like. We don't know if it's going to be some double eliminations or if we have six more weeks of champion eliminations. There's a lot of people here, right? So something's got to give. I mean, they <clears throat> it felt like two teams of ten this week maybe. I mean, I, I didn't look up the number, but it, it, it's still a lot of competitors on the stage. I was thinking about that, and clearly the contestants were as well because there were a couple times when they were talking about uh... – Losing ten thousand dollars versus losing numbers, you know what I mean. But it's like right, <laughs> right. People have got to go, right? Because yeah. people got to go. Yeah. You almost, you know what I mean. So, um, and that's fine. Let's get more people out of here. At the end of the day, that's better for everyone. It's certainly, you know, if it was, I don't know, twenty five grand or something like that, you're losing from the pot. Like you might feel differently, but uh, at ten, it seems like you just, you just, you get, just get rid of those people. It's just cost to do a business you know what i mean you're still getting significantly more per you know for yourself by eliminating a person than you are by saving the ten thousand dollars yep uh i should say before uh we move on and at, at, at some point props to big t uh for yes for our, our quality pole wrestle there i i did not think she had that in her she was – this was, first of all, overall, I think front to back, an episode where she really put on display why we love her for a million reasons. Like, she's by far the best ITM throughout the episode. She understands what is happening and doesn't make a scene out of it, even though she – like doesn't want to go home at all. Um, right. And she, in fact, the only real, you know, quote unquote drama we see from her over her, her inevitable selection for elimination is that she pretends to try to bribe Ed, which was an incredible, mm-hmm. it, it was probably the, at least the most enjoyable scene uh, on this week's episode. Um, she is, fun she is sweet and she is tougher and stronger than you think um although i did think whoever was yelling after the first round and then convinced melissa to yell don't let go was Mm. like oh yeah no shit (laughs) (laughs) big t don't let go like okay but you know i'm wrestling casey down here um and she had no shot. I th- I thought, you know, I think Casey gave her one. Um, when you look at how the last round went. Yeah. When he, it came time to be sure. Yeah. yeah. You know she what I mean? She did rip that thing in there pretty good. <laughs> That's right. And if that was, if, if that was, you know, not someone she was friends with, if that was uh, just to pick a random girl, Raven, in there, right? I think it's two rounds that look just like that. Like, Casey played football. These girls aren't ready for that. Right, right. They're just I, not. It was interesting that Big T was like, Casey taught me how to pull wrestle. Interesting and not surprising, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> like, that, again, if anything, to me, speaks to Big T being, like, tougher and more committed to this game than you wouldn't necessarily expect. And I just, I love having her as a presence on the show. And I think notably TJ 
Yeah. <laughs> probably loves Big T more than any other competitor in the history of the challenge. And the he's way... Totally, definitely rooting for her. <laughs> have you ever heard him declare that... Declare, A, I want you to win a challenge one day, and B, I believe that you can to a, to a departing competitor? No. I, maybe... I feel like maybe Nelson or Corey might have got that once. You know yeah, I mean? or like maybe Anissa one time, but it's like a very short list mm-hmm. of people that he has great respect for. And that, um, a, that have been on the show a lot of times, he usually takes that. You usually know I mean? more times than what Big T has been on, yeah. I would even say. Big T's only had four seasons at this point, so. Um, but I was, I'm glad to hear her say, I love the challenge, and that it sounds like she's definitely coming back, so. Yes, uh. yes. And, and you know what? Like, She's not the strongest or the biggest, but I do believe she can win a challenge because she's pretty savvy and she, again, is stronger than you think. And you don't have to be fessy physically to win a challenge. You just don't. No. Well, I mean, look, Devin won one. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. No, and I Big T that. can not- absolutely See. get herself a Devin-style title on the women's side. In fact, I think in a lot of ways... Not, not attitudinally, but in a lot of ways, like her career is similar to his. Yeah, that's fair. Like she, she's come on the show and been an asset to the show in a variety of ways, while while like being a little short physically of what's necessary to get the job done. Right. Yeah, that's basically who Devin was, even though he was an antagonistic like nut job, and she's like a shining light of joy. Um, <laughs> in that other way their paths are similar like Devin did I think you can work on that physical side exactly and I think she has right even again just the fact that she worked with Casey on pole wrestling right yeah yeah for sure I think there's a lot we probably don't see in the off seasons of this you know what I mean (laughs) that they occasionally sort of reference you know what I mean like shout out big T the, the, the phrasing right Exactly. Shout out Big T. I I can't wait to see her again. And like, she is one of the few people who was on this season that I believe in as a like, you know, uh, tent pole competitor moving forward. Yeah, yeah. This is not. Uh, we we haven't gotten ourselves a whole bunch of really great. I guess there are no rookies, right? So maybe that's part of it. You know what I mean? But we haven't. No, like but I do think this the franchise. Yeah, but I do think this was a chance for all these effing dudes and and ladies to step up and sh- and say, "Hey, like I can be part of the central future of this show." Because I think that's needed. There is an older generation that is aging out. Like I don't know that we'll ever see Anissa again. Wes has said we'll never see him again. Who knows if we'll ever see Bananas again or CT after this appearance. Darrell is is older than I am. Um, Cara Maria, other than this sudden appearance, seems to have left kind of for good. Um, So who are those people that are going to take over those roles of being the ones we look forward to seeing every season? Uh, And unfortunately, like, I don't think... I don't think any of the, you know, four, four-ish season people, with the exception of Big T, have really distinguished themselves. Maybe Michelle a little bit, although she still annoys me. I have to respect the way she, she does wield some power in this game, and she isn't as... And you have to throw Jay in that group, too, I think. If you're well, talking- what I was going to say is, like, Jay is wielding that power, but I don't think he is performing as a television character in a way that's positive, you know? I that's don't... Okay. Uh, I, I guess not if you're talking about ten poles. You're right. It's okay for the game. I don't know if it's okay if you're talking about people. If I'm you- talking about people I want to see every season, he's definitely not on that list. You know, and I'm not even saying I'm going to be like, oh god, Jay's going to be there. But just like, he'll never be even a Corey or a Nelson to me at, at this rate because he's not enjoyable. <laughs> he's not pleasant to watch for the most part. Although I do think he was huge. In, you know, a lot of competitions over the course of this season. Certainly that, like, 
climbing over water on the pyramid thing. He was a an ace. But, like, I still got to watch him, and I want better. I want better from him. It's not that I think he's impossibly bad, or but I just don't enjoy watching him as much as I think I should, given what he's capable of. Even, even Horacio, who is, like, uh, right. and and good at challenges, clearly. <laughs> but, right. like, still kind of needs to come out of his shell as a television character, you know what I mean? Exactly. I think the group that has distinguished themselves, other than Big T, who we kind of already knew about, right, is really just that sophomore girls group that I think is sort of unprecedented with Olivia, Norris, and Mariah, all of whom I think have that potential. It's just harder to know when you're, you know, halfway through your second season. Yeah, the ride or die girls. There you go. Um, yeah, much more, which is interesting, you know, cause it makes me think in a way they should be having like the, the scouting directors should be former competitors. If that makes sense. <laughs> kind of does make you think that maybe right? they'll, maybe they'll go that way. Start yeah, trying to make yeah. producers out of some of these people. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Mark Long sort of in that role, right? For, for at least for all stars. Yeah, so. I guess so. Yeah. And all stars has really been good. Yeah. I can, can go for another all-star season, actually. Let's do that. What is um, next in the challenge universe? I, we're getting like halfway through the season. We should probably start uh, considering what comes next. Anyway, just, we're, I think just, we're both. Sleuthing, see if I can figure that out. Yeah. I, I think we are both um, at a point in the season where it's probably not the worst thing that we're off next week and gonna uh, not going to podcast again until we've seen two more episodes. That, like, Yeah, uh, I just, that stage, and I'm like, well, the numbers are down a little, but we could, we could, we need some more calling still. Let's, and let's also, get- the odds of like something more interesting and entertaining happening over two weeks are much higher. So we've got that going for us. Um, Drop the bomb in this game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, fingers crossed. Moving forward, and uh, you know, sad to say goodbye to Big T, but um, I have, I have some hopes for twists and turns down the stretch of this thing and and i will say the list of six champs we have yet to see is an exciting and elite group yes it is we got some good champs still to come so hopefully that means that the the it's gonna pick up a little bit as we yeah go. um you want to talk about obliterated sure uh and i think although we did manage to stretch our challenge conversation to like a good, I think 25 minutes or so. Um, another reason this could be a short show. No jinxes is that like, there, I don't know how much there is to say about most of what we consumed <laughs> this week. Yeah, fair enough. Obliterated um, to me. And I'll start since I should take responsibility for bringing this to the table. It's fine. It's a fine comedy about, you know, goofy comedy about a, an, a special forces team in a, in a goofy comedic situation with booze and drugs. And I laughed a few times. I only watched two episodes. I had a busy week and I enjoyed other stuff more. Um, it, it's fine. But there's nothing stand out about it like you know i think we sold it to ourselves and potentially the listeners by saying it's from the creators of cobra kai there's nothing as like original or interesting about it as there was about cobra kai it feels very you know uh out of central writing if that were such a thing Um, so we spent a lot of time talking about the the netflix gourmet cheeseburger sort of ideal of, uh of programming people and i like this was a Domino's pizza to me, this this show. It, right. it was uh, very familiar. Maybe In its over- defense, but a little bit generic. Had the nutritional value of cardboard. Right. Uh, and yet I devoured it. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I watched six of them. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because I was gonna say, uh, like, um, it came out. You know, the other stuff didn't come out till late in the week, so I had some time with right. it where it was the only option. But, it, it, you know, like, it, I found it to be quite watchable and entertaining. I, I just wouldn't call it good. And I yes. Would, I wouldn't tell someone else about the Domino's pizza I had. 
But that doesn't mean I wouldn't eat the whole Domino's pizza. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And if you don't finish it, you'll eat some some cold for breakfast and be perfectly happy about it. Right. Yeah. I, I was going to say that. Like, I'm not telling you I'm not going to finish it because I did laugh. And, it, and like, I think that's the goal. Right. So it's the new Domino's. It's not like Domino's at its worst. It's it's like a solid, you know. I feel like I actually got a pretty good deal based on my enjoyment for the $7 I paid for that medium pizza, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, you know, it's, it's getting the job done for me. It's Right. It, I just wouldn't call it good. <laughs> no, or, or in any way, like, necessary or particularly compelling, right? But it's very watchable. It's enjoyable. It has its funny moments. Like, thumbs very sideways. Yeah, thumbs very sideways, indeed. Thumbs very sideways. Yeah, uh, that's a great way to put it. Nice to see, see Thomas Howell again. Uh, He's uh, probably the highlight. No. Um, right? I mean, see Thomas Howell being just a total weirdo psychopath is probably the highlight for me of the show. Yeah. I guess you, Jason Manzoukas hasn't showed up for you. At, at no. Point. Oh, but I am excited. That makes me even more excited to watch it, I will say. Uh, his face is not in it, if that helps at all. It doesn't, but I'm interested. All right. Well, I won't, I won't spoil it for you. No spoilers. <laughs> when we were texting yesterday, I almost told you not to spoil the Chelsea game for me because um, I was waiting till a peaceful late-night moment to enjoy, I thought, uh you know, competitive game of, of English football between two highly respected and, um, you know, historically relevant clubs. I bring this up only to say that is not what occurred last uh, yesterday <laughs> afternoon. It's fine. I, cause I wasn't watching it. Um, well, yeah, and I it, I decided it was probably better just not to bring it up at all. And like you probably you're you're you tend to be very you're one of my great friends who tends to be very careful when texting me about just like being more of the did you see variety than the like oh you should have seen or like how cool was that thing that just happened that you weren't gonna find out about till you watched it on DVR in in five hours. Um, yeah, I try to check. You're pretty cool about that. Especially the stuff that happens in the middle of the day like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, I don't want to talk about Chelsea like for half was, an hour. Was but incredible. And at the same time, so I was I was warped into that, actually. Uh, well, you know, everyone can go to hell because it's <laughs> – uh, I feel I, – I literally feel like – and I don't – I, I don't really have the history to know how bad of an analogy this is, and I don't think it's a good one at all, but I just feel, my heart feels like I signed up to be a fucking British Bears fan in addition to being a Chicago Bears fan. <laughs> and it just makes me want to die. Yeah. It's... you. you I mean, uh, no. The answer to that is no, because you, you're rooting for almost the Yankees of soccer. I mean, I guess right. Well, I mean, but there's like five different Yankees, but, but, uh, but I know that it's such an, this is such an anomalous period in the history of this club. You know what I mean? Or at least the recent history of this club. I guess there was a long time where they were pretty mediocre, but right. I mean, for the last 20 years until a couple years ago, I know that this was a great, great team. So, so I'm not, I'm not unaware and I know they won champions leagues and all that stuff. So I, I'm. And they had a few stumbles, and then they'd immediately be back the next year. You know what I mean? Like right. that was kind of the way I would go. You know? I'm aware so, of. I, I like the name Abramovich is not foreign to me. I get it. Um, <laughs> but I have been like a committed every week watcher of Chelsea for two seasons, and the entirety of that experience has been, yes has been one of inconsistency, one of clear and obvious and sometimes remarkable talent all over the pitch that just does not connect in ways that you want it to and doesn't produce results. And probably most notably of, of all, a rotating group of upfront players who are almost to a man, whatever the opposite of a nose for the goal is. <laughs> 
They find new ways not to score with excellent opportunity on a weekly basis. And it's just there are those players you watch where it's like, I don't know what he's doing that's better than everyone else, but he just seems to find the goal over and over again. Paul Mullen seems to be one of those guys, to use a uh, reference familiar to this podcast on Wrexham. Seems to be yeah, one of those like guys that like... Chance, right? <laughs> well, right on Rex. Yeah. I don't know that he's the most skilled, right? He's It's not messy, right? But no. he just has this preternatural sense he's, for... He's in the box, as they say, right? That's right. And that's a thing. And it's not just that Chelsea doesn't have that thing. It's that everyone that they have thrown in that number nine position, and frankly, most of the like forward wingers as well, are are like... The opposite of that. They are finding ways to not... Nicholas Jackson makes some incredible plays happen and inevitably takes an extra touch or boots it over the bar or, you know, finds a corner... You know, makes an open goal into a corner kick. It's it's wild. It's really wild. There aren't that many elite strikers out there. You know what I mean? I know, Uh, but that's why I say it's not just that they don't have an elite striker. It's that... They have these guys who are skilled and who do make plays, but are like terrified. Other than Raheem Sterling, everyone seems terrified of the back of the net. Yeah. Well, Inkuku is coming, and I think you'll be happy with Fingers him. crossed, man. And oh. I don't know. I, I know Lavia is like a further back player, but I'm hoping he can bring some excitement and like energy as well because part of the problem with this team is like they do have weeks where they show up, and you're like, I mean, the Man City game is like, okay. You can go toe-to-toe in a barn burner with the best team in the world. But you can also, you know, get two players sent off for dumb shit and blow a game. And you can also look like butt against a Manchester United team that's just inviting you to score all day long. Yeah, just that's a very uninspiring team. Um, It, you know... This this period of time will make will make their inevitable transition into something good, you know, all the more sweeter. I do feel like I'm earning it, so, so we'll I've got look- that going for me, which is good. And I said I didn't want to spend half an hour on Chelsea, so let's move on. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, should we go to May December? Sure. Um, I think it's a little weird because clearly this is like a. This is not the gourmet cheeseburger, right? Theoretically, this is the no. This is clearly something that we do. Like we're going to get ourselves in the Oscar conversation. This is a home run swing, Um, and I feel like it is a home run swing that produced a bloop single. If that makes sense. Hmm. I and and what's weird about it is like I almost feel like you got a bunk bat. Because the swing is, it's a good swing. The swing looks good. Like, it hit the bat in the right spot where, like, usually it goes out of the park. And it just, like, made a thud and landed, you know, for a single. Like, what? I don't... I understand this movie is vaguely based on a true story but it's not like a biopic in any way right like the things that happen are are, are they're artistic choices and i'm not sure they come to much everyone's good and convincing it's not like i'm looking at it like the writing was miserable and i couldn't i couldn't focus cuz the dialogue made was bad or like you know so and so's performance took me out of it I thought actually, especially the the guy who played, you know, the the husband who who was a seventh grader when he hooked up with his wife, the teacher. Yeah, I thought he was especially good. Wrote a really fine line between like a caricature of a overgrown seventh grader and like a real person who was in a tough situation. Um, uh, Charles Milton is his name. I thought he was really really good. And I thought Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore were their usual wonderful selves. But like, I, I thought Natalie, Natalie Portman, um, it was a vanity free role in a way, right? Like, yeah, she wasn't afraid to make herself look kind of awful at times. You know what I mean? 
Um, right. In, 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 at least in a world where you imagine she's playing a version of herself, right? Right. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, where people are going to kind of, con, you know, confer. And, and I thought it was done sort of cleverly and subtly in, in, in as much as, like, she wasn't the, you know, spoiled actress. She wasn't playing, like, the basic spoiled actress role. But there were like subtle things about the way she interpreted actions or some of the questions she asked or like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, for some reason, amenities is coming to mind. Gratuities, the uh, liberties she took. I that, feel like she was just so obsessed with her process. Right. That, that like she... Like, said things human at times you know what i mean exactly she said things and big to play you know right she said things and did things and and took liberties that were pretty clearly inappropriate if you thought about them but you know from the character that character's perspective was just like well i'm just engaging in my process getting ready to do this role right Right. Uh, these people have agreed to this i'm sure it's fine um and yeah that does I think that almost makes, in a way, reflect re- reflects worse on her because, like the, if she's doing like a more classic spoiled actress bit, like it's easier to separate from who Natalie Portman is in a way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. Everybody was good, which is why I'm not saying like it was a swing and a miss, but like, I'm not gonna think about this movie again. Are you? Um, like, what does this amount to? What is what? Not a time. Not a time. Maybe I'm saying this too much lately, and maybe it's too much to ask. But like, if you're not gonna make me laugh or blow shit up, can you? Could you like say something meaningful, thematically? I, I mean, I think you're. You know, I mean, I think there are moments. Certainly, that conversation. Um, you know as as joe sort of realizes like maybe all this wasn't okay and he's trying to talk to her about it you know and she's sort of still very much in this delusion of like i seduced you like who was the boss who was you know what i mean right yeah but but i mean really what we're seeing what we're seeing there though is a this is a crazy lady and like a kid who was abused that is finally coming to understand it, which would be more of a watershed moment if it was like a biopic, but it's clearly not a biopic. Right. And so to me, that's saying like, if, if, if that is what the movie, you know what I mean? But my point is, if that is what the movie is trying to say, a short film could have done the job. Yeah, maybe. And in like 10 minutes, I don't need character development to know that like that conversation's probably coming at some point in life and and that in fact the truth of the matter is whatever this woman's been saying and however they have lived their lives this is abuse. <laughs> we all knew that and she has to be crazy to think otherwise. And I mean, he has to be abuse to poor little Georgie, you know what I mean? It's abuse to everybody. Yeah. Right. And and that's obvious from outside without a film. So I'm not, while I get it like that, that is a, that is a key moment in this character study. Like, I guess what I'm saying is for my time, if I'm going to spend two hours with a film, which like, I think as we talk about all the time is a pretty significant media commitment, given the preponderance of options. I, I would like you to, again, make me laugh, blow shit up, or have something interesting to say. Or at least like be... Because this movie is not like an entertainer, right? It's like a ponderous, slow, thoughtful thing. I mean, I don't know why this just popped into my head other than I said ponderous. But like, in a way, it's similar to my reaction to that, uh, you know, Cumber Cumberbatch movie with the horses. Um That won the Oscars and stuff. <laughs> the Cumberbatch, the Cumberbatch movie with the horses that won the Oscars and stuff. Right. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? The Western? Oh, the Western. That's right. Oh, God. I forgot about that movie. Right. Which, like... I hated that movie. (laughs) I know. And and I know... I don't think either of us hated this as much because it wasn't as slow or as ponderous. And the the acting roles felt more significant to me in this. But... And the story was a little bit more, like, relevant to at least, like, the world and things... But it's not like a broadly relevant story on its face, you know? So if you're not going to try to make it relevant to me, and you're not going to say anything about the world, like, we've spent a lot of time watching a not particularly entertaining movie about... I think I thought maybe it was a little more entertaining than you did. Like, I felt like it was funny... And certainly the the obviously the the activate the acting performances really elevate the movie, right? So just watching yes. those on its own I think is entertaining. But I also found it to be like pretty watchable and you know, I mean it's Todd Hainsey, so yeah, it gets uncomfortable and weird at times. But like that's part of I don't know, I think that's part of the ride. Um I do agree with you that I don't know that it it stops short of really saying it you know, it definitely feels like it wants you to draw your own conclusions from it. You know what I mean? Um, and so you don't get this, like, it's like, yeah, it's maybe it's a little unsettling, you know what I mean? But you don't, it's not profound in any real way. Right. You know? Right. So, um, and I guess part of what I'm saying too, is it doesn't, that doesn't seem to be on its plate or like something that it considers to be within its purview of like trying to be profound. So essentially what we have is just a movie about a pretty like obviously yucky situation that concludes that the situation is pretty yucky and like everyone's good, but I don't know that I needed to spend two hours on it. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I mean, I think it's a reasonable conclusion. I didn't mind spending the two hours on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right. That being said, again, this is why I said, you know, it's similar in a way to the <laughs> the uh, obliterated as as ridiculously different as these two Netflix properties are. That like, I'm not going to tell you not to watch it. I'm going to tell you the performances are very good. Like, I just don't know that it's particularly compelling or important in any way. Um. Yeah. I. I'm. I don't know. I found it compelling. I don't. I don't think it was important. That's, yeah. for, that's for sure. Indeed. I found it was interesting that it was produced by Will Ferrell. Um, well, you know, people are not a monolith. Yeah, I guess so. Um, all right, uh, that brings us to Getty Lee and his examination of the universe. Through, <laughs> if anything, I, I think adorable is the word I would have for this show. It's a great word. I don't know if it's pretty enlightening, but it's. It's it's fairly watchable, and, and you know it's just it's just bass players being nerdy, talking about their craft. You know what I mean? Talking about their craft and occasionally some other weird stuff, and they're all sort of weirdos in their own right. I watched all four; they're twenty minutes long. You know, it's a it's like less than two hours of your time to watch. It took less time to watch the entirety of the Getty Lee series than it did to watch May December, and I will tell you. I was far <laughs> well just lit, just for, forgetting quality or anything like that. I had a much better time in the two hours of Getty Lee being nerdy than I did in the two hours of like you know exploring the uh, emotional consequences of child abuse. Um, he's just chatting. But he's a charming nerd, and I, I he interviews four interesting people, um, and two two of them are really good at the base. <laughs> oh, man, shots fired! Well, um, I mean, come on, like there are bass players, and then there are like bass players, right? That's <laughs> I not. I, I don't yeah. think that's crazy to say. In any, uh, Taylor Swift is an incredible pop star, but we're not talking about her guitar playing. Um, right? Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to diminish Melissa is there, Oftemar. Is there who, a Taylor, is there a Taylor Swift in this group though? Like, I don't know. 
Well, Melissa Oftermar, you know, from a basis perspective, no, I just picked Taylor Swift to say, like, instrumentalist doesn't define the success of a musician. Um, She plays the guitar very capably and writes on the guitar, but she's like, we don't talk about her as a guitarist because that's not her primary skill. Like, Melissa Oftermar, I don't know, really, because she hadn't played a bass in 10 years when they put a bass in her hands. So I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, but she's certainly nothing like the bass playing is not interesting today. And Chris Novacelic, I don't think would try to tell you that he's a genius bass player. We we meet him in this series playing the accordion. You know, he was a bass player who just decided to do it because of circumstances and it worked out well. And he was in one of the biggest bands of all time as with all due respect, the least contributing member. He's still a fascinating human. Right. Yeah, all right. That's fair. All right. That's fair. Um, that being said, watching what Les Claypool and Robert Trujillo can do with a bass in their hands is also special. Yeah. <laughs> I think because I had I have not watched the other two. <laughs> I mean, oh. I only watched the two with the really awesome bass players. So. Yeah, listen, okay. Melissa Oftermar is a fascinating conversation about pop stardom and music and the bass and what she wants, but like it opens with her being like, yeah, I basically haven't touched a guitar in a decade. Um, and and Chris Novacelic is like living a weird Washington State, uh, you know, lumberjack hermit life where he very sweetly takes care of uh, lost animals and like, uh, you know, cans his own produce. It's it's fascinating, fun, and as you said, adorable stuff. Yeah, adorable nerdy stuff. Um, I, but what, truly, I recommend to people to watch this. Like, well, you from your about it, this is where I would seize on what you said. Having only watched the two, is like from the bass guitar standpoint, I'd strongly recommend the first two. Yeah. Um, from it, and then if you think it's cute and fun, watch the other ones too. But like, just watching Getty Lee and Les Claypool and Robert Trujillo talk bass. They're, I mean, first of all, they're three of the most interesting bass players in the world. Um, and secondly, like they all have their own kind of magic with the instrument. Um, and then they have the whole Jaco Pistorius thing too. So, yeah. you know, if you have any interest in the bass guitar, the first two episodes are going to be like crack to you. Correct. So that's why I would recommend it to bass players, but I don't know about anybody else. Hey, man, I've never played the bass. Uh, I've tinkered with a lot of instruments, and bass is probably least among them, and yet uh, I found it fascinating. I am a lover of music, so music lovers uh, unite. Music, yeah, music lovers unite. Um, speaking of which, we're probably due for some year-end uh, conversation here pretty soon, right? We only got a couple of pods left. In- Fuck, man. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. We're just going to have to, you know, when we get back from our vacations, we'll address that offline and, and make some decisions. I got to tell you, like, especially the music, the coming up with albums last year was a struggle yeah i've almost i pretty much stopped listening to albums i got i got a lot of thoughts about a lot of artists and songs but uh, not they don't come in the album format generally right and honestly even on the artists and songs thing like i don't know how interesting a conversation we can have because you know i'm not I don't I, I don't know. I'm it's not that I'm any less open, but I just feel like I'm getting a lot less new and interesting music that's filtering through to me mm. than I used to. And I don't know if that's age or it's a statement of like in your life and uh, and right because the music is out there. It's all out there, but yeah. Through it is is always the challenge and that probably requires you have more access, but it it also sort of requires more time or more uh Commitment. Uh, curating. Yeah. <laughs> right. I do my best, you know, like I get new release emails and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, it's hard. It is harder being, especially also being outside of like radio buildings that uh, a fair amount of stuff filtered through 
just by being around. Um, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I don't know what we'll do. We'll, we'll we'll come up with some sort of year end celebration. Yeah. Well, because certainly the movies were. It was a weird weird year to talk about the year movies too in a way. Yeah. So, so maybe it just turns into like a top twenty five of media. You know. Yeah. Here's some things we watched. And then you can make your list uh, on Spotify, and we'll all listen to that. Uh, almost done. Almost done. Very Just exciting. That's yet another thing that you're busy songs. doing. So let's get to homework and get out of here. All right. So uh, two weeks to, to do this stuff. Um, we've got a couple of things. We've got Maestro, which doesn't come out, I believe, until the 20th. Uh, so, uh, so really, you've got one day to watch Maestro in two yeah. weeks. <laughs> uh, that is the Bradley Cooper directed and starring uh, Leonard Cohen movie. Um, uh, Terry Mulligan, I believe, is the... It's the one where they got on him about the nose. So. Yeah. Can't wait as a Jew to see the nose. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, and uh, Slow Horses is back on Apple. It's been, actually been back, but we wanted to get a few episodes in before we talked about it. Um, yeah. So uh, we will be by the time we get back. Um, and then uh, Candy Cane Lane, the Eddie Murphy Christmas movie. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna run this one by a two-and-a-half-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old and, four and, and see how it hits. Yeah, all right. I think that that'd be good. Good to get that little test marketing in there as well. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Oh no, that'll be the following week. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're gonna find a we're gonna find a moment for a family movie night and watch Eddie Murphy. All right. It's gonna be Eddie... their introduction to Eddie Murphy. I'm sure he feel. I'm sure he. That's just how he would want it if he could Show design brought... it. You know, maybe or maybe delirious. I think uh, for me, you know, you start at the beginning. And so it'll be, you know, probably like the buckwheat sketch from Saturday okay. Night Live and then Delirious. Is, All right. is one, once, once he's like 14, you know. <laughs> so 10 years from now, it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll be getting near our thousandth episode of the podcast by then. Um, we'll we'll be talking about raw, and uh, and what a teenager in two thousand thirty something thinks of Man. raw. And let me it's tell you, so badly by then he's going to be horrified. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's going to think I'm an absolute scumbag for laughing at these horrifying jokes. Um, yeah. Sure. yeah. It's, it's you'd like try to explain to him that this was the funniest person on the planet at the, right. this time for a while, bro. Gonna, yeah, for like yeah. an extended period of time, the funniest man on the planet. And I don't know, you know, it, it's funny. So much of the complaining about cancel culture and comedy, I think, is utter bullshit, right? Like, shut up, Joe Rogan. But it is interesting and it's totally normal. I'm not complaining. If we look back at films from the 60s that were funny, we're like, what's wrong with these people, right? But um, I just don't know that there's any stand-up comedy that's going to hold up. I guess there's exceptions. You know, Mitch Hedberg. Um, yeah, I mean, there are things, but... But, but God, it's, it's tough, man. Even... <laughs> Yeah, like I know Delirious front to back and like I could just off the top of my head tell you five things that like even today I think a teenager would look at you like that is not funny. It's just ignorant and offensive. <laughs> yeah. And like in a way I agree with them, you know, <laughs> but I but I have to explain like we didn't really know. And this was the funniest shit I had ever seen in my entire life when I watched it. Bar none by far. Eddie Murphy Delirious, it changed my life. Yeah, and they're not going to be able to wrap their heads around it. No, just... it utterly, it changed my understanding and appreciation of the art of stand-up comedy forever. And um, yeah, that's going to be difficult for young people to understand. It just is. <laughs> I just, uh, I'm, I just don't want to hear any more comedians talking about this. It's, it, yes, it, it stopped being interesting ten years ago. No. And and listen, suck it up and be funny in new ways. Like that's the job. But um, 
But it is weird because, you know, we do think about showing things to our kids that we love. It's a huge part of being a parent is like forcing our stuff that we loved on the kids. Um, (laughs) And I have delirious is one that I've specifically thought about on numerous occasions of like, I don't think I'm going to be able to show him that. You're not. No. And that's a that is a bummer, even though I'm. I'm on board with it. I understand it. And I know why it's not a bad thing for the world. It is a bit of a bummer. Yeah. All right. Uh, today's edition of Parent Corner brought to you by CarMax. <laughs> you know, can I just say, I hope one of our 17 listeners gets that joke okay. because it made me very happy. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You want to do a Cabo Corner while we're here or what? Because instead of having kids, you're going to fucking Cabo. How does it feel? <laughs> pretty good, man. It feels pretty good. Um, <laughs> All right. I think we're done here. Or until I actually go to Cabo. But but I'll give you one when I get back. All right. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk when you do. It'll be December 21st. And we'll all have spent the entire previous night watching The Challenge and a movie where Bradley Cooper wears a prosthetic nose. Can't wait. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the Jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.